Hey! Hi everybody, welcome to your horrible telly. With Pebble Dash. That's me. And Dan. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the wrong film. Yeah. Hi! Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. Hello, it's Halloween. I was so excited. This episode, everybody, is all about Halloween. The original from 1978. Not the remake, not the Zob version, the original. How exciting. Oh, yes. Can't wait. Do you remember the first time you saw Halloween? I've already said I was a kid when I first saw it, which is completely inappropriate. Do I remember? First time I saw Halloween, I think I was around about 15, and I went on a whole, like, slasher binge. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it was probably the best one that I had watched at that point. Yeah, it's just, it's the original slasher. It set the scene for every other slasher that's came since. Yeah. You know what I mean? To the point where it's probably one of the most referenced movies in Scream, which is all about referencing sl- slasher films. Yeah, I mean, they play it on the TV, don't they, and scream. Exactly. Yeah. It is iconic. So good. Halloween was released in 1978. It was created, written, developed by John Carpenter, the icon John Carpenter, (laughs) and Deborah Hill. It's set in 1963 in Haddonfield, Illinois. I don't know if Haddonfield's a real place in Illinois. It's not, but... Deborah Hill was from Haddonfield somewhere else. I New Jersey, because I'm sure there's something a like that. New yeah, Jersey. and then she wrote it to, to be from Illinois, so it's yeah. fictional. Yeah, amazing. The original script title was "The Babysitter Murders," which obviously is very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've all seen it. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis as the protagonist, Laurie Strode. Can we take a moment? I say protagonist at the right time. She said protagonist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it also stars Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. Donald Pleasance at this point was quite old, but I know that he's a well-known <laughs> actor, but I could not tell you what he's been in. I want to say that he was like a theatre actor before Halloween. No, I feel like he's been in other movies. But I think he was in other movies. And TV shows, maybe. Um, He definitely was in a lot after Halloween. Yeah. Uh, It obviously has Kyle Richards, who now is a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, my favourite of the Real Housewives franchise. (laughs) Has her as Lindsay, the the babysitter. And it has... PJ Souls, the absolute horror icon and legend. Icon. PJ Souls is the tits, literally, of every horror movie from the 70s and 80s and yeah. 90s. <laughs> she just kept going. She loved getting the baps out. Just wabbed them out. Exactly. John Carpenter actually wrote the role for PJ Souls. He did, because he, he saw her in Carrie. Yes, yeah. exactly. Carrie is iconic. I love her in Carrie as well. We need to do a deep dive into Carrie as well. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you've seen her in Carrie. She, what I didn't realise, and I don't know why, because I love the film, but I've not seen it in so long, is that P.G. Souls was in The Devil's Rejects as well. 
She was, yeah. I can't think who she was, because obviously Karen Black, who is another iconic horror legend, Yeah. Um, she is in The Devil's Rejects, but I can't remember PJ Souls being in it. I can't remember. I want to say like she might be somebody standing around. I think it was like a cameo. Oh. But... And she was also a teacher in the... What do we call this Halloween that came out? Halloween 2018. Because it was, it was a sequel, really. Yeah. Um, so she was a teacher in the sequel. Her first horror movie, she done in 1975. Oh. It was called The Bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Never seen it, I'll be honest. Neither have I. But I will watch it. Uh, she was in The Possessed. She was in Jawbreaker. Just an all-round horror icon. Jamie Lee Curtis... I feel like everybody knows who Jamie Lee Curtis is. Well, yeah, you have to, duh. <sighs> I would hope so. <laughs> Most recently, she was in Knives Out. Yeah. I wanted to hate it, but it was camp and it was hilarious. And Chris Evans looks good in a jumper. He does. <laughs> he I'll give him that. On it. <laughs> um, Jamie Lee Curtis, who just a horror icon at this point, the first kind of really prominent final girl, first prominent scream queen. Yeah, and she comes from a horror dynasty. Exactly. Janet Leigh, um, she played Marion Crane in Psycho. Exactly. The most kind of well-known all around the world female. Everybody knows the the tune. Oh, yes. And the sound effects when she gets stabbed. Everybody knows that stabbed in the shower. Every drag queen has done some version of... Uh, stabbing in the shower kind of look. Yep. And John Carpenter kind of wanted to pay tribute and viewed it as paying tribute to Alfred Hitchcock by casting Jamie Lee Curtis. At the same time, the Universal Studios were actually trying to cast Jamie in Cycle 2. Yes. Which I'm glad she never done. Cycle 2 isn't too bad, but What's I'm glad that Jamie Lee Curtis didn't do it. Yeah, like, yeah. it would have became a thing it would have made it a thing, and it yeah. didn't need to be a thing. Um, but she, luckily for us, went into Halloween, and just, she's one of the few actresses in a horror film who is a good actress. Yeah. Which is rare. Women in horror generally aren't great actresses, or aren't hired because they're great actresses, they're hired because they've got big tits, or they've got blonde hair, or they look away. Yeah. Or whatever, or they can scream great, or they can die great. Whereas Jamie's an actual good actress. Yeah. So he was very lucky to get her. What's funny as well, though, is with Jamie Lee Curtis, she actually thought she was going to get sacked after the first day of filming. Because <laughs> she thought she'd done really, really bad. And John Carpenter called her the next day and told her how good a job she'd done, and she kind of relaxed into it. He had a fearometer on set. And he would change it I've to heard let her this, know, yeah. yeah, to let her know like what level of fear she was playing at. That's so cool. Exactly. So the setting for Halloween is obviously, as we say, it's in Haddonfield, Illinois. It starts with an amazing kind of fifteen-minute opening that sets the scene better than any other horror movie I've experienced since. Yeah, it's got that the little kid, obviously, his sisters meant to be looking after him and goes away and shags her boyfriend in her bedroom and Michael, the young child, you never see his face at this point, do you? You don't know who it is yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just the camera through with the mask over it and they literally put a camera over the mask. Yeah. To film that kind of tracking shot. Um 
and he goes and pulls a knife out and one of the funny facts that I find funny about it that I never noticed until I learned the fact and then going back and watching it I'm like oh this makes sense it's actually Deborah Hill's hand picking up the knife which is why the nails are so manicured <laughs> so it's her hand picking up the knife out the drawer and then going up the stairs and he stabs his sister Yeah, which was just shocking it was so shocking I, obviously I wasn't around in 1978 because I'm young but Anth was was it shocking <laughs> Uh, bitch, it's your birthday soon, not mine. And you's older than me. Send me presents. But yeah, it was really shocking to see a child. It, yeah, definitely murdering. See a child antagonist at that. Yeah, because at this point you still don't know that it's the brother. Yeah. Well, you don't know how old he is. Yeah. Because she Judith does scream, Michael, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So she gives that way. It's another yeah, and I think round about that time. I, I'm not sure of the year he released, but the only other movie from that era that I remember with a child antagonist is Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp's a bit later. Is that a it's bit later? It's Right. So, well, there you go then. So, it yeah. is one of the earliest ones, other than, like, The Omen and things like that. But that's <laughs> a bit... That's, that camp is tits. That's a bit different. Um, why didn't they just kill Damien in The Omen? Just kill him. He's Satan. Kill him. Oh, but it wasn't all to do with, like, father and maternal love and... Oh, Ooh, whatever. I'm not a huge fan of The Omen, sorry. I like the remake. Ugh, Julia Stiles. Oh, I like Julia Stiles. But yeah, so Michael obviously has killed the babysitter. And what I like is you never really find out a really thorough reason for why he'd done it. Yeah. It, everything was fine until this kid was eight year old. Yeah. And then suddenly he kills his sister. And that shot at the end of him just standing. They well, take the mask the end off. Of the film, yeah, but standing outside the yeah. house with the knife in his hand. And they take the mask off and like, Michael, what's wrong? His parents. And he's and just the standing there. He's just like standing there staring into the abyss. So good. But backtracking again, sorry. Um, that opening sequence is just absolutely fantastic in its camera work as well. Because mm-hmm. it's one continuous tracking shot. Yeah. But it does have very subtle cuts in it as well. So one cut is when the mask, he puts the mask on. Mm-hmm. That's a cut. And then the rest is like the track and shot. I think there's a couple more, but really, really good. Really well done. So, so good. It's so effectively done that shot. How would they have done that? How would they have done the track and shot back then? Would they have had a rig and like a pulley? To pull yeah, it I believe so. It's or do like, you think? Did they ever do tracking shots like literally just somebody holding the camera and walking and following? I, I want to say yeah, but I'm not very technical. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I often wonder. Uh, we then skip forward 15 years to 1978 when Michael is in a psychiatric ward. Mm. Dr. Loomis is his doctor, his psychiatrist, and is driving with a nurse. Yeah, Marion. Marion, yeah, driving with the nurse to go and get him. Now, this is one of the first scenes I remembered being scared of, and it's really, like, now I can see the problematic side of that, but the way they portrayed these people that had escaped the, the facility yeah. was terrifying. Because Marion says, doesn't she, she's like... Do they usually just let them run around the grounds yeah. like that? And then she also talks about how she hates the way they stare at them. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you're like, ooh, problematic. <laughs> but I mean, it was 1978. Yeah. Um, and it was it was really effectively done. And then when Dr. Loomis gets out of the car to go and get, try and kind of figure out what's going on, mm. that part where Michael's on top of the car <gasps> battering the window yeah. to get to her is absolutely terrifying. Like, I would be traumatised. It was scary. It was really yeah. scary. And because it's all raining and I think it's the whole, like, because the patients look almost like ghosts because they're just these white shapes. They're just standing, aren't they? They're yeah. just, like, standing there. They're not really moving about. So, yeah, absolutely. That was one of the most terrifying parts. And what's what I liked is that he didn't kill the nurse. Mm-hmm. Because that would have been very obvious. And now, if that film, if it had been made now, that he would have killed the nurse there Yeah. Because actually there's not that many kills in Halloween. But yeah, so Michael then gets in. And this raises one of the biggest questions. How the fuck can Michael Myers drive? He was an eight-year-old kid. He's been put in a psychiatric hospital at eight years old. It's now 15 years later. Where did he learn how to drive? Yeah. And that question went unanswered for years until, I believe, I know we've spoken about this a little bit, but I believe it was a a book or a graphic novel that was released. So they said it was in the novelisation of the film Mm -hmm. that Michael observed Dr. Sam Loomis driving. So he picked it up from that. In the actual film, the one that we're talking about, um... Sam Loomis is arguing with someone outside of the hospital. Like, how did this happen? How did he escape? Mm-hmm. And then the guy who he's talking to says, it's not like he can drive. And then Sam Loomis is like, well, he did really well last night. Yeah. Did somebody from here teach him how to drive? Yeah. So that's kind of like the explanation at that point, but it's not really an explanation. Well, no, there he's saying, you're saying he can't drive, and Dr. Loomis is saying, well, he did. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in the movies, it's never explained. It's never explained. But, yeah, it's a novelisation where it's kind of explained because he watched... Because as the novelisation, does that have some level of POV from Michael's, but not, like, a spoken thing, but it's got more of, like what he maybe have thought or felt, which you don't really get in the movie because he's not a talking character. Yeah. Yeah. It's more of that. Yeah. Um, So he drives away, drives off to Haddonfield, and at this point we meet Laurie Strode, who is a student, and she's with her two friends, played by PJ Souls, and the other friend, who's... Ugh, Annie. Yeah, Annie. (laughs) We don't like Annie. We find her irritating. Not a fan of Annie. No, we do find her very irritating. But Annie and the Annie, it's Halloween night. Laurie's babysitting. Annie and PJ Souls are trying to get a shag. They want to have sex with a boyfriend. I mean, it's relatable content. They want to have sex with the boyfriends. Laurie's babysitting. Annie's babysitting. So Laurie agrees while she's babysitting little Tommy Doyle that Annie can drop Lindsay off to her as well, who Annie's babysitting, and Laurie will look after both of them. Which sets up straight away that Laurie's like the goody-goody and Annie and PJ are the bad girls. Yeah, because they always like try to peer pressure into like smoking and stuff yeah. like that. You see like Annie handing her the cigarette in the car and Laurie's just like, mm, no, but she's like, go on, go on. Yeah. So it's that kind of like, 
goody goody versus the naughty girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this part of the film sets up two of my all time favourite horror movie scenes. The first one is Michael in the car. Oh, yes. When he first arrives. When he first arrives. It's just iconic when he pulls around and he cats the glimpy's mask. But obviously the girls can't see the mask either. Um, but also the bush shot. So Laurie sees Michael standing next to a bush. And she's with... I believe she's just with Annie at this point. Yeah, it's just Annie at this yeah. point. So Laurie and Annie are walking along the street. Laurie spots Michael behind the bush. Laurie in her role is the submissive kind of character so she pulls back and is like scared and says to Annie I just thought I'd seen this Annie is the cocksure character goes marching up to the bush and until the scene finished I was so sure <laughs> that he was going to do something it just it was one of those that it's so tense yeah and it's one of the, kind of all of her favourite things about horror movies is that it's the tenseness of it. Yeah. Because the the tenseness starts as soon as he arrives in Haddonfield. Mm-hmm. So early in the film, she walks to the Myers house. Mm-hmm. And she's putting the keys under the mat for her dad with Tommy. Yes. And you see the silhouette of Michael looking at her <sighs> from the other side. There's so with much the bre- silhouette. Yeah, with the breathing. And it's at that point that Laurie becomes the obsession. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some so great good. moments. Uh, oh, it's so good. So then you find out that Annie's dad is the sheriff. The sheriff. Yeah. Um, and that somebody had broke into the store and stole some odd things. So mm. he stole a mask and they stole, I believe, a baseball bat as well, uh, and a couple of like nice. odd things. We obviously know that. Michael is known for wearing the mask, so we can figure out straight away who it is. Everybody knows as well that the mask that he wears is a William Shatner mask from Star Trek, <laughs> and they just kind of aged it and rubbed all the colour off it and all that kind of thing. And the mask really is such an iconic part of Halloween. Yeah. It's... Jason wears a hockey mask yeah. and it's iconic. It's the same kind of thing. Jason is a hockey mask and either a big machete or a... Cleaver. 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 Um, and Michael, we all think of as a knife in the white mask, even though that's not necessarily the most accurate description, which we'll touch on later. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, we know that it's him in the mask. So... Annie kind of doesn't really particularly care. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we then move on to Laurie with Tommy. And Tommy is quite an active little boy. <laughs> so he's like a pain in the arse. Tommy um, is having Laurie's life as a babysitter. He also... It shows the kind of viewpoint of everyone is that Laurie is weak. Laurie can be walked over. Tommy isn't really respectful at first kind of misbehaving and things like that. Um, Lindsay is with Annie and it sets up another couple of those kind of iconic scenes from Halloween. So we know that Annie's boyfriend's going to be coming over and the 
part in the back garden where he, where she hears the noise in the back garden. Oh, she goes out to look. Yeah, after she um, slaps stuff down her shirt and then she yeah. has to go in the back. Yeah. yeah, so then she jumps out into the garden, <laughs> in the garden and we know he's there. And then she's going to do her laundry. Yeah. And we see, they do it really clever of like, we see him entering rooms that look like the room she's in, but might not be the room she's in. And it's so tense, again, at that part. Annie is going around trying to do her laundry and she hears noises out the back again and she's looking out the window and then she gets locked in the laundry room. In the laundry room, yeah. And she's doing the shiggle of the door and trying to get herself out and it's just really tense because you're just waiting for Michael Myers to come out and get her. Yeah. Um, She then goes, she tries to climb out the window (laughs) at one point and is stuck in the window. So funny. When Lindsay comes and opens the door and Lindsay literally (laughs) is just like... What are you doing? Lindsay's literally like, mm. in the meantime, she's just been watching TV. <laughs> yeah, like literally could not be left. She's just like, mm. So then Lindsay and Annie go back in the house and Annie goes out to the car in the garage. Yeah, she rings Laurie first. Yeah. Yeah, to tell her that she's going to pick up her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So she's sending Lindsay over to sit with her and Tommy. So as Annie goes out to the car, we get one of what has now become such a major trope in horror movies, that jump scare of they're behind you. They're behind you. So good. So that's like only the second kill in Halloween is Annie. So Michael Myers is obviously in the back of the scene. He strangles Annie, chokes her out, chokes her to death and she dies in the car so she's in the front seat of the car then Michael lifts Annie up this is where I'm like Michael you're not making great decisions as the antagonist (laughs) lifts her up and walks around to the front of her house with her over his shoulder he does (laughs) (laughs) like hi everyone I I just killed this lady just killed this girl (laughs) so he walks around with Annie and Tommy Doyle is looking out of the window at this point and no he starts screaming and he gets terrified the boogeyman the boogeyman and it's one of those things where I didn't really think about it until that point in the movie of how much Michael fits into that boogeyman lore Mm. in the boogeyman story that stranger creeping around your house coming to get you kind of watching you yeah exactly if it was me I would have my titty plate on yeah you'd be like like, Michael come get me me, daddy (laughs) he would just walk past I know I'd get left Um, (laughs) but yeah so Tommy starts shouting and going on about the boogeyman and Laurie gets frustrated and it's just a bit like, ugh, it's a bit extra at this point because the kids are screaming, I hate kids. Not fun. Yeah. So then PJ Souls and her boyfriend, they turn up to the house Annie was in, so Lindsay's yeah. house. Yeah. They turn up there. Um, PJ's boyfriend is ugly. He is not an attractive man. Bob. Bob, his name is, that's it. Bob is not an attractive man. Not really, but he does have a good body. <laughs> he does have a good body, but my face. But So PJ and Bob obviously do all the rigmarole of flirting and kissing and teasing each other and end up upstairs and they have sex. And this is one of the first movies that really set out, albeit accidentally, the kind of virgin survive and 
slutty girl the to slu- sleep around. Yeah, slutty girl dies. Yeah, die. And John and Deborah actually spoke about it a few years later, and they never meant to create that. They never meant that to be the trope. The yeah. actual point was that the girls who were sleeping with the boyfriends, they were distracted. That's why they died. Yeah. But the innocent virginal and the, the slutty girl definitely became that running theme. Oh, yeah. Throughout horror movies and throughout loads of films, like different types of films as well. And I do think it falls a little bit into... It became in this movie, I don't think it does, but it falls a little bit into the misogyny of horror. Horror was very much created from the male gaze, which is Mm -hmm. why there's so much boobs and stuff like that in horror, because it was created for the male gaze. Yeah. Um, That's gaze, G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S, because then I would say a word that we redact. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, they're in the bed messing around. PJ's character... What is PJ Soul's character's name? I can't Linda. Remember. Linda. Linda hears a noise downstairs and there's a little bit of an argument about who's going to go and... Get beer. Yeah, get beer and go downstairs. So she obviously wins and he goes downstairs to get beer. And another iconic death. Yeah. Probably so my favourite. I think it's my favourite death scene. Yeah. I think it is. This whole scene. Yeah. So Michael's obviously creeping around the house at this point, trying to find um, Laurie's friends and Laurie at this point as well. And Bob is downstairs getting beer and he's in the fridge and in the pantry and stuff. And you see Michael creeping around and then he opens a door and Michael just comes out. Uh, the stabbing sound was a knife stabbing into a watermelon. That's what they use for the stabbing sound, which is bizarre, but makes lots of sense as well. We should try it. Shoot, we should, we should make our own. We need, we're going to make our own Wilhelm scream, and we're going to make our own knife sounds. Yeah. Also, Wilhelm scream, for you dear listeners, is the scream that they use in almost every single horror movie. <laughs> it's this one stock sound um, scream. <laughs> so, yeah, Michael stabs him, but he stabs him in the middle of his stomach up off the floor because he's picked him up Yeah, to the wall and leaves him hanging to the wall yeah. by the knife. It is so iconic. So good. Because you so see his feet well. shake, don't you? Yeah, it's just so well done. And then he goes upstairs. Oh, Michael. So good. He wears a bed sheet. Michael Myers this is, is wearing a bed sheet and he's been a bed sheet ghost, which we've all been guilty of on Halloween. <gasps> I used to wear a black bag and a witch's hat. My dad used to tell me I was a warlock and I used to tell everybody I was a witch. I'll go. Um, <laughs> but he ends up upstairs in this white sheet, but with Bob's glasses with on. With Bob's glasses on. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing. It's so good. We know it's Michael Myers, and that's why it's so effective, because we're already in on the secret. I just find it funny that he's put a bed sheet on. It's just so funny. It's so bizarre. Like, I laughed. <laughs> the first time that I'd seen it, I laughed. You're like, Michael, a bed sheet. Like, you're dressed... We dress up as Michael Myers for Halloween. You're dressed up as that. So funny. It's so... It is really funny. And it's a bit of campery, and it's a bit... It's that kind of... It's almost that moment of letting you in. Yeah. For John Carpenter, it's letting you in on the fear and the joke. Yeah. All at the same time. 
Linda, obviously, is lying in bed being PJ Souls. I believe at that point she's smoking. Yeah, she is. And now she's got her boobs out and she's being PJ Souls. Just PJ. And then she starts to realise something's wrong and she gets a bit uncomfortable and covers herself up. And then, now how does the sheet come off? Does Michael take it off or does she take it off? I think he starts choking her with the telephone wire. And it falls off. And it falls off, that's what it is, yeah. Because she's the second victim that he chokes to death. Yeah. So, as much as he's depicted with a knife, he actually does a lot of choking as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he chokes her out and sadly, Linda is no longer with us. Alright. So that is death number four. And the last death in the movie. Which yeah. is bizarre. It's the last F in the It movie. is, yes. Because there's still a lot to go after this. Yeah, we've still got a long time to go after this. But that's the last F in the movie. It is, yeah. Because had there been any more, it would have took away the effectiveness of what was coming. Mm-hmm. If there was more kills. Nowadays, they want kill, 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 kill. Which is fine, and I appreciate those movies. But it's one of the things that, again, I love about Halloween. While this has all been happening, Dr. Loomis and the Sheriff have realised, obviously, that it's Michael Myers that's escaped. He's probably came back to Haddonfield. So they're doing the rounds to try and kind of figure out where he would go. They've been to the Myers house. They go to the graveyard and realise that Judith Myers' headstones, Michael Myers' sister, uh, her headstone's missing. While this has been happening as well, obviously Tommy has been shouting and screaming about the boogeyman and how scary he was <laughs> and everything. So eventually, Laurie decides that she's going to go and have a look She's also can't get in touch with any of them. So she's like, right, let me go and have a look. So we know at this point that Michael Myers is in the house. And we're like, oh, Laurie, Laurie. are you sure though? This seems like a silly mistake. (laughs) But she goes with a wee frizzy lob. (laughs) That hair. And off she goes to Lindsay's house. And she looks about. Yeah, Laurie goes up the stairs and she sees Annie on the bed laid out. With Judith's headstone. With Judith's headstone behind her. So obviously she's like, oh my God. Yeah. And then she turns around and hears a noise. Yeah. Coming from the cupboard. And she opens that and then you get like the first proper like jump scare. Yeah. Of like Bob and Linda. Uh-huh. And Linda's like hanging, swinging. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And Laurie's obviously like, what the fuck? Yeah. So Laurie goes running back to Tommy's house at this point, to Tommy Doyle's house. And before she went over to the house, she told the kids to hide. So when she goes running back, she gives the kids a fright because they're hiding in the bathroom. And she goes up to the bathroom and tells them to run to the neighbour's house. So the kids get sent out into the street where there's been murders. By themselves. Really sensible. <laughs> run, kids, run! Yeah, so odd. At this point, Michael Myers starts strutting along the... Yeah, because he sees Laurie. Yeah, because he sees Laurie. So he follows her into the house. And so starts the cat and mouse chase. Oh. So good. Yeah. It's so good the way it's done. Um, obviously, every now and again, Michael will catch Laurie, tries to choke her at first. She hits him. She, she stabs, stabs him with the him in needle. With the needle, and then he drops her. Then when he catches her again later, Laurie whips his mask off, 
And if you ask most people, they'll tell you that Michael Myers had a disfigured face. But actually, it's just the power of suggestion. All he has is a stab mark. Mm. The rest of his face is just normal. It's just the guy who's playing him. It's just <laughs> shadows. And it's that kind of ingrained fear that we have and that shared memory kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, what is it called again? Is it Mandela Effect? When we all remember the same thing, even though it didn't happen. Mm. There's loads of little silly things like that. Um but it's the same, that's one of the good things about old horror, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre we spoke about, where everybody thinks it was such a gory movie, the original, yeah. but no one actually dies on screen. Yeah, you don't actually see. Yeah, it's a period of suggestion, it's, it creates a memory for you, because back, back in those days, they understood that your imagination is going to be wilder than most things they'll put on screen. Yeah, they also couldn't include... Lots of violence because of the laws at the time. Yeah. So, in ways, I think that's scarier. Oh, because you don't need to have blood and guts and everything like that. How many movies have been ruined by seeing the antagonist or the monster? Yeah. So Cloverfield, unreal movie until they were getting chased by spider aliens. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, Dark skies. Dark skies. The aliens. Brilliant, until you've seen the alien's hand reaching out and it was mm. the same alien that's been in every alien film. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it does ruin it. So in this, actually, the power of suggestion was used really, really well. Because yeah. even I remembered that it wasn't until we came across that fact and we spoke about it that we were like, oh my God, yes, yeah. that's right. Um, so as he is... So he drops her again and stabs her in the shoulder and she falls down... And he grabs her and starts choking starts to choke her again. And as she does as he does so, Dr. Loomis comes upstairs and shoots him. Yeah. And he reels back and falls at the window. He shoots him six times. Six times. Six times, yeah. Not just once, not just twice. Six. Not just three times, four times, five times. Six times he shoots yeah. him. He goes rolling back, falls out the top floor window. Yeah. Dr. Loomis and Laurie Strode are talking at this point, just kind of, uh, hey, Bab, how you doing? <laughs> You're right, lass. <laughs> She's like, yeah. No, obviously, Dr. <laughs> Loomis is explaining what's happened. Laurie Strode is, like, shook up and panicked. Well, the only thing she says is, it was the boogeyman. It was the boogeyman. Can we take a moment, though, how iconic it was the boogeyman? It was the boogeyman, yeah. Because for a lot of people from, like, our generation and older, he was our boogeyman. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they go to the window and he's not there. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Shook. And then the film ends. And then that, yeah. Just ends. End Just stops. Yep. No explanation. Absolutely shook. Yeah. I still remember the first time I watched seeing that he wasn't there. So like, good. Oh my god. How did he survive? And this? how many horror films have done that now? Oh, oh he's not there. My favourite film, my favourite horror film, and one of the best horror films ever made. And it just set the landscape for what was to come. Yeah. When you watch the original Halloween, and I know a lot of people watching, or maybe, uh, sorry, a lot of people listening, might only have seen Rob Zombie's Halloween or the r- recent sequel that was made. The Rob Zombie Halloween movies, I really enjoy them, but they're very much their own story. 
all they've done is took Especially names. the second one. Yeah, they've took their own story and done with that what yeah. he wants, and I think he done it well. Um, the recent prequel is amazing, Halloween uh, 2018. Well, yeah, because it's a direct sequel. Exactly, direct sequel. I wouldn't waste your time watching all of the Halloween sequels that there has been. <laughs> I would not recommend. I would definitely... H2O, though. H2O is camp for what it is, but I watched it again recently and it's not good. I think it's fun. <laughs> I, I didn't even find it fun. It was like an episode of Dawson's Creek with a murderer. <laughs> That's exactly Is that because Michelle Williams is in well, it? Well, yeah, and just everything about it. But I did like Jamie Lee Curtis in it. She's so good. She does the character really well. Um, Halloween 2, I like. Really, it was a direct continuation of the first movie. Yeah, because so it I literally starts at the end of the last yeah. film. So I liked Halloween 2. Personally, I used to hate Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, because they actually went away from the Halloween franchise of Michael Myers, and they were trying to expand it into a different kind of franchise. So it's about, I mean, it's about haunted masks, in essence. Yeah. But actually... When it's I a good, it, like, standalone it's a film. It's a good standalone film. It just yeah. doesn't fit into the canon of Halloween that much. Yeah. Although, in Halloween 2018, they did have some Easter eggs, or, like, with the kids' masks and stuff relating to Season of the Witch, which is Halloween 3. They did. I love that speech that Loomis does. Oh. It's such an iconic monologue when he just says that he stared into his eyes and he has the blackest, deepest, evilest eyes and he saw nothing... So good. I got it. Because never explained in the film. No. It's never explained why he does what he does. And it's left to the viewer's imagination if he's like just a psycho killer or there's something supernatural about him. Mm-hmm. Later in, in the original in the canon, ori- yeah. it did become psycho. <laughs> it became they, supernatural. It's to do with a cult and it was shite. Yeah. But the this film, the second one and the newest one are just all about him being like it's just, he's unstoppable. Evil, he's evil killer. incarnate. Yeah. And there's never any like convoluted like plots. Yeah, it's just he is evil. Although obviously Halloween two does the Laurie is your sister. Yeah, which is daft. Yeah. And I like how they disregard that in the sequel. Yeah, from two thousand eighteen because it's it's an obsession. She got away from him. Yeah, it's a psychotic thing, and she's obsessed. So Halloween, obviously, we would both absolutely rate and recommend to everybody to watch. Yes. So I have two questions for you. Okay. My first question for you is: What queer moment, if any, did you take away from this? Again, because of his time, like, there's nothing overtly queer about the film. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say, like, PJ Souls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she, the queers love her. For the me, queers love her, she brings that, like, campness. Yeah, 100%. For me, Laurie Strode could have been a lesbian and it wouldn't have changed the film at all. Well, she's not really sexualised in any yeah. any way. But so, she's so, very much treated as differently. Because she's not had that, like, experience, so to speak. Yeah, so she's painted as different. She's painted as... She's she's othered 
is yeah. the protagonist. She's on the out. She's on the fringes of everything. She's mm. not really a major part of the middle. And also, Bob being just as nude as the rest of them. <laughs> but going back to Laurie, it's like she goes through a whole transition in the film. Mm-hmm. So she starts off as a meek, like withdrawn um, schoolgirl who can't keep with her, up with her friends, whether it's yeah. like smoking or sexual conquests. And she survives. She's lucky. Yeah. Like she goes through that. And it's obviously reflected in the sequel how it's affected us psychologically. Oh. But we can get into that another time. Yeah. But yeah, she she goes through a metamorphosis, mm-hmm. so to speak. Which is something that I think queer people relate to. It's why the final girl, because fi- that's the story of almost every final girl. Yeah. Is they've started off one way and transitioned to a different kind, which I think is such an inherently queer experience. Definitely. Going through whether it's transitioning as in transition for transgender people or whether it's transitioning into your true form, your true self as queer people or people who fall under the LGBTQIA umbrella. Definitely. So that's definitely a queer takeaway. Second question, Mm -hmm. how would you die and how would you live? Oh, in this film. In this film. Yeah. Well, it'd be weird if I asked you about another film. No, (laughs) like a sequel (laughs) isn't... Oh, how would I die and how would I survive? I would survive by driving away. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I probably wouldn't survive. But um, Michael Myers can drive. <laughs> Michael Myers can drive. So he chased you. He chased me in his car. Um, I would probably die by being thrown out a window or just skewered. What would you be doing when you died? Crying. <laughs> you weak bitch. I'm like, <laughs> so I think I would survive by being Michael Myers. Oh, bleh. No, that's too easy. I would survive by locking myself in the psychiatric place he escaped from. <laughs> because he doesn't want to go back that's the one place he doesn't want to go back he escaped from there that's true so I would go to the place that began and lock myself in there mm. and plus it's going to be a safer place to lock yourself and you get fed yeah so that's how I would survive and I would die because I was having sex yeah that's how I would die yeah I would be one of the slutty girls in the film and I would get murdered and I would be good with it because I died in something I love. <laughs> so why do you think that Halloween is still as, like, revered as it is now? Why do you think it's still... I know exactly why. Yeah. The reason is because there's nothing in it other than the clothes that date it. Mm. There's nothing used of the 70s. Or the well, it was seventy eight. Yeah. But there's nothing really that's of the seventies other than the clothing. Yeah. The story could be filmed now, word for word, same actors obviously if they were young now, and it would be the same movie if it was done the exact same. Does that do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for instance, Psycho was remade with Vince Vaughn. And it was a frame for frame remake. Yeah. But Psycho doesn't work now. 
Yeah. It's such an outdated story that it doesn't work now. But the boogeyman has scared people since the dawn of time and continues to scare people now. Yeah. And because we don't have a reason for Michael Myers being the way he is, all of those things, that's the reason why it still works now and it's why it's still scary. You watched it last night, did you? I did. And it's still tense. Yeah, it is. You can now and I've seen it. You, you know, you it. could know it frame by frame. Year. Yeah, yeah, I watch it at least once a year and still get scared at the same bits even though I know what's coming because it's tense and it builds tension and people react more and remember how they felt rather than what happened. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that's really good at building tension and holding you right on the tense, the tension, sorry, for like 10 seconds, which mm. is too long to be tense, we know. <laughs> which is why, for instance, when Annie survives the first kind of tension, it's so jarring when she then gets killed. Yeah, because you're like, oh, she's got away. That. You're like, oh, she's, yeah. she's safe, but no. So it's so jarring. And that's why Halloween is my favourite horror film. Yeah. Anybody who hasn't seen it, I absolutely recommend that you watch it immediately. Especially if you're a newer, maybe younger horror fan who has seen Halloween 2008 and really enjoyed it. I think it's important that you watch the first one to get and understand the full canon and to understand Laurie's ways in Halloween 2018. Yeah, we are probably in the future going to do a deep dive into Halloween 2018 we'll probably do it before Halloween Kills comes out exciting cannot wait and if you have any movies that you really love that maybe we haven't seen or mentioned by all means email in to Podcast at gmail.com uh, or go to a horrible time podcast on Instagram or a horrible time on Twitter and let us know you can even wherever you listen to the podcast whether it be YouTube Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts or YouTube leave us a comment letting us know a recommendation of a horror movie you've seen and you've loved and we might not like it but that's what makes it more fun we'll still review it for you thanks very much for listening and I hope you have a horrible time thank you bye you can follow the podcast at A Horrible Time Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow your host Anthony at Anthony Detro on Twitter and at Diamond Hardskin on Instagram. You can follow Pebble at It's Pebble Dash on Instagram and Famous Cunt on Twitter. Recorded by Pebble and Anth, mixed and mastered by Pebble Dash. Artwork by Graphic Design.